Hello. Thank you so much for being here today, and welcome to the first episode of The Other Shoe. I'm Aisha, and I'm extremely excited to be here and to have this platform to speak to people of color, especially young women and allies, um, and just reflect with depth and in a lighthearted space about anything that really shapes us and forms us as human beings, whether that be culture, family, careers, relationships, platonically or romantically, sexuality, love, being first generation, being of a certain religion and how we internalize that, marriage, dating, navigating our culture, mental health, capitalism, um, just things that, you know, whether or not they're political make us who we are and impact how we process our everyday lives. I hope we're able to talk about these things and how they imprint on us with some nuance and maybe over time we'll be able to better verbalize our thoughts and feelings. I think I'm in a perpetual state of reflection and I wanted to have a platform where I can share things from my perspective and see what sticks and what doesn't. And to that end, I want that to be, I want this to be a space where people feel comfortable actively engaging. Whether that means leaving comments, reviews, or DMing me your thoughts. And I'll also have live sessions like Instagram live sessions where um, I'll, you know, have that as a platform to bring more people into the fold and like more perspectives um, onto this space. Um, I'll also bring, be bringing on guests as much as I can or see fit. And sometimes they'll agree with some of the things that I have to say and sometimes they won't. And that's okay as long as we're able to have, you know, some level of like an insightful conversation about it. And with that, let's get into it. So I'm here today with one of my, actually my oldest friend, um, Rahima, um, who I've known since middle school. It's me. <laughs> and yeah, let's just give you a minute to introduce yourself. Hi, so my name is Rahima. I met Aisha in fifth grade when we were basically babies. <laughs> <laughs> I was born and raised in the Bronx. I'm Indian American, and and I feel like we became friends really quickly because we shared so many similar experiences, despite being from like very different cultures. And I think it's been really interesting to see how like our similarities and differences and what we've figured out in life like have helped us relate in different points and times in our lives, like the more we grew and continue to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, kind of segues really nicely to what I want to talk about with this episode, you know, as like we're going into this new year and like you just like I just turned, turned 23. 23. <laughs> Aquarius as always. Um, but yeah, I think that like after such a long year, I think we did so much reflection this year. And one of the things that we talked about so much was, um, you know, over the last 15 years or whatever has just been like culture. 15. Yeah, I think it's been wow. about 13 at least. Um, yeah, we're fucking old. <laughs> but yeah, I think something that we talked about a lot is like culture and like like fam- our families and we really kind of helped each other process a lot like I knew you were my first friend here and I think we knowing how similar our backgrounds were despite all the differences like we helped each other process through that a lot <clears throat> yeah and I think that's just been really helpful for both of us um as we kind of transition you know both of us being in super insular communities and then figuring out a way to like find a balance between 
what those communities require of us and and what we want for ourselves and for our lives and what we want our lives to look like and the lives that we want to build essentially yeah and how do we do that as basically non-americans on american soil yeah like i think that in itself is such a big part of a lot of people's experiences and to shed some light and just some truth to that yeah is really dope yeah and in some ways it's also just kind of like thinking about our very gradual americanization but also how that um works with how we how we did that with our cultures and families in mind i moved here when i was nine but really i became aware of it nine years later when i was 18 um when i was suddenly aware of how different my immigrant status and my identity as a black woman made how different that made my experience from my white peers that I met in college. Um, like moving into college and seeing everyone's parents bring them into college and move them in. And I essentially like had thrown all my shit in garbage bags and like had this person that I worked for for a year and a half who was like, I want to support you in this. Like put all my clothes and like all this, all these garbage bags, like little by little take it. Like he would pull up to um, my building and I'd like put it in the trunk of his car and he'd drive it to his home until like I'd finally um, aggregated all my cl- like all my clothes and my, my belongings and took him downstairs and two days before it was time to move into college I take down my last um, garbage bag full of crap and um, my mom sees me going down and I'm like oh I'm just um, uh, taking that trash like doing laundry and I'm, I'll be back in a minute you know, and that's what I said. And I took it down. And then I remember I like, right after like ran to Elizabeth's house and I was at her place and my mom calls me and her voice is like shattered. And she says, um, Aisha, where's your stuff? I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. She goes, I went into your closet and into your room and there was nothing in there. And I remember freaking out and like reaching out to, um, the housing and like admissions people and being like, can I move in a day early? And they're like, you know, you're a local. And I was like, no, I need, I need to do this. And luckily I had spoken to my college counselor um, a little bit over the summer. And like, we talked about um, that this might be a challenge in transition. And so they allowed me to move in a day early. And um, I remember it was like 5.30 AM. I woke up and like, I picked up like the last backpack of things that I had and like, Larry was downstairs and I went down and he was with Pam and um, yeah. And I went down and they, and I remember just being like, wow. And everyone was asleep at home. Hadn't spoken to my dad in months already. It was like September and like, we hadn't had a conversation since real conversation since I got my acceptance letter. He was like, this is what's impending. And I know that what's coming and I know that she's going to try and do this. I can brag to my friends about having a daughter who got into Columbia University, but I can't say to her in her face that I'm proud of what she's doing because this is not what I want for her. I want her to have the education, but now I'm questioning, did I do the right thing by putting you in school? Or should I have listened to my family members back in the village in Guinea who said, don't put your daughters in school? And to my, to like my, to my grandfather who didn't speak to him for a while because he put us in Western education and he was questioning it and he was just like, oh my God, she's going to go to college and 
she's going to have ideas and she's going to have money, which was already an issue with my dad and I from when I was 16. And so Larry drove us to, drove Pam and I to um, Columbia and, and then they helped me move in. Um, and I remember just like taking all the stuff out of like my trash bag and just like pouring it in my closet and being like, whatever. Um, and they tried to be really supportive and like helpful. They were like, let's go out for like a celebratory breakfast. And that was the first time I threw up in my life since I was six years old. That day, I remember I had this breakfast, I think it was like pancakes and I went to the bathroom and I just like threw it all up because there was just so much anxiety and loss and confusion and not knowing what the fuck is like my future going to be like. And I'm alone. And when they left, I went back to my room and I was like, I'm going to be sleeping alone in a room for the first time in my life. And then everyone else was moving in and they were they had their parents there. And I remember my one of my sweet mates, Kaya, had like they, you know, they saw me with this like old white couple and they were just, and she had assumed I was like adopted or something. And I was like, I was like, I guess at this point, basically. Um, and I remember just like, I'd literally just met this girl and I just went into vocal vomit about like how I was there and why I was there. And like, no, I'm not adopted. I do have parents and family. They're just not here. And like even two years later being a counselor for like incoming students during orientation and really just thinking and finally like two years later sinking in for me, what a loss that was just because of like how different my parents' ideas of who I should be were from like my being like, I want to figure that out and them being like, we figured it out for you. We, you need to be in the fold so that you don't lose sight of yourself. And me just being like, how can I lose sight of something I don't know? I feel like I had to do so much learning of my parents' culture and they did none of mine, you know? Never once understanding or even fathoming the idea that like your kids are in a different country in a different culture and you need to meet them where they're at because they're being exposed to all of these different ideas. And that's not necessarily a bad or a negative thing. It's just culture. Like you yeah. adapt and you learn. Like your kids are are growing up here and you need to adapt and learn in the same way that they are adapting and learning to you and your culture. And it's so funny when you were saying like the garbage bag thing, because I'm like summer 2016, shit hit the fan with my mom. And that's mm-hmm. how I tried to move out. <laughs> it's yeah. like I put all my shit in garbage bags. And one day, we shout have, out to garbage. Shout out, they are that yeah. bitch. <laughs> this is not an ad, but if you want to sponsor yeah. Aisha, <laughs> sponsor me. Hi. Um, but we have two different entrances, and it was just like a summer of me realizing that like I had no boundaries at home. I had no freedom. I was an eighteen-year-old, and I had the like freedom of a two-year-old, and I had friends who were going away to college having no like curfew or anything and I was just like I cannot do this anymore so I put all my things in garbage bags I left a little note in my closet I saw someone post about like an apartment room for $300 $400 and I was like I have a job now I can afford that and so I'm gonna put my shit in garbage bags did not think intuition helped none of this literally nothing and so we have two entrances 
I'm really nervous. I wake up. I like slowly like bring my garbage bags to the door. I go downstairs, eat breakfast, say bye to my mom, enter through the first entrance, go up to the second entrance, take my shit, turn around the corner, and then call the Uber to take me to the apartment. And then my my mom calls me like a few hours later when she goes into my room and sees the note in my closet, my empty closet, and she's just like, what the fuck just happened? Fuck. I can only imagine. And I feel like when you get to a point where you have to leave so abruptly or you feel that impulse, it also comes from a place of just thinking about this place that's supposed to be home and feeling a dissonance with that. And that feeling of home that I didn't have like in my parents' house is because of that, all of these expectations that they had of me. It was just nice to have a place that felt like home even temporarily. And I think that feeling of home, I I don't think I really had that until 2019. Not even, like 2020 when I moved into this apartment. And you can have the space to figure out who you are outside of who your parents have decided that you should be. Yeah, exactly. They were like, you're gonna get married when you're straight out of college. And even that was like a concession they kind of made because if they if they had done what they actually wanted to I would have been married before I went to college and so when I moved in to an actual dorm at Fordham it was because I became an RA and so I had free housing right Mm -hmm. so I was able to kind of finesse that situation and be like well they're paying for my housing so why would I not live on campus for free and I'll come home like every other day or something whatever Um, But it was so hard for me to adjust to campus culture, white culture, American culture, because yes, like I had gone to high school in lower Manhattan. And yes, I had been at Fordham for two and a half years, but every night I was going home. And so it's like anything new I had learned, it wasn't being affirmed at home or it wasn't being accepted. You were one person at school and like when you were there during the day but you had to just be a different person when you were at home and there was no kind of like cohesion between those two identities and there wasn't space to figure out how to blend those two and I and I feel like to date I'm still trying to figure that out and it has been the reason why I started going through a midlife crisis when I was 17 years old (laughs) it's like I literally have the same identity crises every year and it's just funny I also want to get back to what you had said earlier adjustment disorder the difficulty in adjusting is also like one because we're not really taught to or raised to be able to adjust to anything because ultimately like the biggest adjustment that our parents anticipated for us and like look forward to is when we get married um and even that like you're still you're being married into the fold and I, I moved from Nigeria to here, but my family moved to New York City specifically because there was a huge Fulani community here. And that's what I lived in. And I remember like trying to have friends from school or like the neighborhood. And like I remember one day um, a friend who like I went to school with and also lived in my neighborhood uh, in my building actually like came upstairs and was like, you know, just like we can go like and play outside. Oh, and they, um, essentially, my dad was just like, and they do a thing where like they're nice and they smile when the person's there because like they're being, 
Yeah. And the second they leave, they're just like, you're not allowed to hang out with them and you're not allowed to be friends with them. Eventually, when we became, when we were being, getting closer and like being friends in middle school and like a lot of what connected us was this same identity, even though you're Indian and I'm West African, but like this, like being Muslim and like, yeah, you're born here, but like because of the context you grew in, you basically also just like are in, in, in a sense, like you do kind of have like this immigrant experience. Um, but yeah, like that adjustment like, disorder, like there was, there was no adjustment. There was no adjustment. Um, and I spent like the next eight to nine years trying to figure out what an adjustment, like how to adjust. And I just never did. And then I like left. And then I spent the next five to six years trying to adjust. Yeah. I think that's the big thing. It's like that idea of, of even having to adjust. And it didn't really click for me until I was living at Fordham and I was just really depressed. And I was like, I don't get it. I have everything that I thought I've wanted. Like I'm living alone. I have the freedom to like wake up when I want, sleep when I want, eat what I want, see who I want, hang out with people when I want. So why am I having so much trouble? Like just being happy and like, why am I not? Why does my soul not feel right? Um, and I spoke to someone about it and they were like, you have adjustment disorder. And I was like, it just made me like, you know, like those aha moments that you see in TV. I didn't have an aha moment then. It slowly happened like over time, like the more I thought about it. And I was just like, I've struggled for so long because that thing you were saying earlier, like you're one person at home and another person when you're in school, mm-hmm. that takes a really fucking big toll on you. It's so it's so mentally exhausting it's also just physically exhausting. It's an identity crisis, and I had it every single day. When I walked into when I walked into my house every day from after high school, it's just like my mood just switched. And I and I knew that was happening, but now I can look back and be like, it's just so hard to like have to leave a part of you outside the door when you walk in, you know. For me, it was like this shift that I had to constantly do. Like I was at home and I was speaking Pular. And if I spoke English, my parents would not respond. They'd pretend they didn't hear it because they felt so strongly about like me being in touch with my Fulani identity. And like we have this conversation about our parents, but we still have like we still love them and like give them so much grace. This isn't like us bashing our parents, you know, and then like I would go home, I would go to school and I could only speak English. And there was no one there who, like, spoke my language. And I remember, like, in eighth grade or, like, seventh grade, we'd be, like, outside, um, like, for recess. And I just have this memory of, like, us standing in line and, like, you guys would, like, ask me a question. Absent-mindedly, I'd respond and pull out it. And then y'all would be, like, girl, no one knows what you're saying. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I just can't do it. <laughs> um, okay, exactly. And it's, like, the that mental toll when I was in school and when I was in these white spaces, American, quote unquote, American spaces, because I am American. When I was in those spaces, because I saw like my two identities as so, so different. I thought I had to assimilate, adhere, conform and leave all of my Indianness, all of my family, all of my religion at home. And so now I'm in college and I'm still, I think I still have a bit of that, but I, I've, I had learned that, like, I have my qualms with white culture and white people because, yes, like, there's a part of me that wants to assimilate, 
it's also like white culture wants me to assimilate. And that's what I have problems with. And that's the thing that I don't think that like our parents will really understand is that like I leave one person at the door when I walk out of my home. I have to do that. And then when I come back in, I leave the person that I have to be outside. For example, I mean, we can talk about the hijab another time. But I know like in like elementary school, I had worn like um, cultural clothing one day because I was like really like my mom had just gotten me this outfit and like it was bomb and like I wore this cultural outfit and I didn't really know what the word outfit meant at the time. Yeah. And I had gone to school and I remember this girl, her name's Joisha. (laughs) Yeah. And she, she, and, and she wasn't even saying it to me, but she was just been like nice outfit. And I didn't, something about the way she said it, like not even knowing what outfit meant. I was just like, this is, I'm hurt. Yeah. I was like, I, I was just hurt. And like, that was the first time where I was like, I don't belong here. And I remember just carrying that feeling through, like, into, like, I still have that feeling today. But I was just like, there is no space for, that was my attempt. This was third grade, and that was my attempt to try and, like, merge these two worlds. And that was a moment where I was like, they don't merge. And, like, later I learned outfit just means, like, the thing that you put together. (laughs) But at the moment, I was, like, outfit. So, like, I'm out of being fit. Like, I'm not fit. Um... It hurts so bad because that's how I understood it. But even when I like learned what it meant, it was still kind of like nice outfit. Um, Mm. But yeah, no, like I don't think our parents really understood that that was a thing that we had to do. And I don't think they like sympathize with it because they were Mm. able to create or like move into a village here. Like Mm. they moved, you know, as you had said, like in a conversation before that, like, you know, your parents moved from a village from in, in India and then, like, came to 10467 and, like, created their village there. Like, my parents moved to New York, and, like, we were we, we were living in this village, in this community. Mm-hmm. And, like, all their efforts were geared to us, towards, like, keeping us in that community. When I had that friend come over, and, like, when she left, and my, my, my dad was like, um, yeah, no, you're not hanging out with them. I was like, I'm just trying to make friends. And he goes what do you need friends for? You have seven siblings, be friends with them. And if you need more, let me know. (laughs) I got you. (laughs) So my grandfather is like the patriarch of our family and everything you think about when you think about like a stereotypical man of authority and power, like that is him. Like everything he says goes, everyone in the family kind of like conforms and adheres to like what he has to say or just like blindly obeys it, right? And there's so many times in my childhood and in my life where he's just been like, oh, like, why don't you wear your Indian clothes to school? Like, are you not proud of your culture? And every time I just be like, I'm not not proud of my culture. I think my culture is amazing. I think the food's amazing. I think the hospitality, although there can be boundaries with that is so beautiful. I think the food, I said food, but like literally the food is bomb. Right. <laughs> and because for me, it was like, you're expecting so much from me. You're expecting me to be so tied to my culture that it just makes me want to not do any of it. And it's also because you're giving me no room to express myself and who I am and all of, everything that comes with that. Like just figuring out what I like and what, what I want to wear. And it's because I'm a woman and it's because... 
I'm expected to stay at home until I get married. And once I'm married, then I'm going to go into like my partner's family. And then whatever they say, like if they have a patriarch in their family, I'm going to do whatever they that that person wants of me. Or if it's like a toxic mother-in-law, I'm going to do whatever she wants of me. Right. It's like what your husband says, what your husband's parents say. It's never like, what do you want and who do you want to be and how do you want to live your life? And that's also why I had so much trouble when I got to college, because I'm just like, I've never had this freedom and this autonomy before. And I'm just like, what the hell do I do with myself? And I said, like, I didn't start feeling at home until this new apartment. But like, even just like feeling at home within myself and in my body and in my cultures, I didn't have that until recently. Where I'm just like, I can show up as an Indian woman and also understand that I'm also a kid born in America. And like, I can have both of those things and like that blend, it comes together beautifully in me. And I feel like the one thing that I want some people to take away from this is that maybe you're not even like identifying the fact that you're having cultural crises, but that that might just be what you're going through. And I know when I was going through a hard time during quarantine, because I was just so in my head about my entire life. And I know quarantine was a hard time for everybody, but like that was a big point of anxiety for me. It was like talking to you about how culture has shaped and affected our lives. And I was just like, I'm not alone in this. And like, there are so many immigrant kids, so many kids whose parents are immigrants trying to just make it in America that are going through this. And that was very affirming for me. Yeah, and I think it's, it always baffles me to like, think about the fact that we were having these conversations when we were 11 and 12, like we were, talking about this we would buy our pint of ice cream from cnc like right outside of 95 (laughs) and like walk home and like scarf down this like pint of ice cream and then i'd wonder why aren't my pants getting Um, (laughs) and we just talk about it like in in this arguments about which route was fastest to get home and it was the route that i said (laughs) Because I measured it and I freaking timed it. So, yeah. Also, my route did not include walking up a monster hill. So, effort also matters. Okay. But we were having these conversations when we were 11, 12 years old. And I remember that, like, you know, what you're talking about, like, cultural crises and, like, trying to find a place and, like, find a friend. Like, that was so affirming for me. And, like, and then it was also, like, I remember meeting your family and then you meeting my family, like you coming to my place for the first time and like same people, different skin tone, different hair. Um, actually, like not even that different skin tone, just like different <laughs> facial features and different hair, you know. And I remember like like meeting like you meeting my, my mom and eventually my dad. But like you met my mom first. And I remember just me being like, but she's Muslim, mom. She's Muslim. And because like you walked in and you weren't Fulani and like. Um, and, and you like said assalamu alaikum and, and I was like changed. and her face changed when you said assalamu alaikum and I was just like god I'm allowed to have a friend like you're the first friend that I chose myself that I was allowed to have and that was also why I was like ready to fight you every time I was like bitch you think you can walk away you think you can walk away my family knows and I'm allowed to be friends with you, you were the one tie between the two versions of me like finding that understanding has really empowered me now because now when my parents are like you're so American and you're so this and you're so that I'm just like you have no idea who I am outside of this home actually that's not true 
who I am at home is also now who I am in the outside world. And like, I will not let that get to me because I know who I am. And that, like saying that statement, I know who I am. It took me 23 years. It took me that long to get to feeling empowered and confident in that statement. And I think it takes people like us maybe decades to get to that. And some people don't get to it in their entire lifetime. Like, I don't think my parents will get to that. I know my grandpa won't get to that. That's not even true. They know who they are. And they weren't willing to change who they were. And, you know, there is a lot of power to that. I think we should. It's also important to mention, like, the immigrant experience can is very traumatic. Like, you're leaving behind everything you know because you, for most people, it's like you want to make money to sustain yourself and your family and have enough to send back home because there's no real opportunity back home. And that's another conversation because imperialism, colonialism, capitalism has made it so that there's just no opportunity in places. <laughs> um, it's just robbed people of so much, but also it's it's robbing me still today. And it's just like, I know everything comes down to capitalism and the patriarchy, and people laugh when I say that, but like it does. When the revolution comes, I will be there. But yeah, I think that this is, all, this is also our contribution. Mm-hmm. having these conversations and like having these conversations that we've been having for for 13 years um like having with each other for 13 years and being like we're gonna put this out there so that like damn like a, like that girl who just moved here from wherever who like was told her outfit is can like you know know that she's not alone nice and just like nice can know that she's not alone and that like there are other people who've gone through it and like continue to go through it and like unfortunately like it's not a thing that you'll just deal with and like have an answer to when you wake up the next day that it is unfortunately something that you'll have to keep contending with for the rest of your life but there are people who are doing it and there are people who you can do that with and you are not your family and you are also not white america like you are you and there's so much power in that you just need to realize that like just you are you and you can exist as you in every space like you might need to feel empowered enough to do that and that takes a long time but just remind yourself of that every day like you're enough in all of your cultures and all of your identities and all of your relationships and that it makes you a dynamic interesting human being Mm -hmm. and it makes your story yours and your story is worth hearing it is of value and you are valuable enough to give yourself to have to, to be given the space, but also to give yourself the space to do that. Because another thing that happens is that like we we believe so much and it's so easy to to believe so much in like what you've been told by like your parents and the world around you because it's an answer and you have so many questions. It's so easy to believe that and just play into that. Um and it, but it is so much harder to like try and contend with it. I like, I just, I, I knew myself enough to know that like, if I had gone back home at any time, like all through college, I never let myself go home and stay home for more than two weeks at a time. And like that happened once. Yeah. And I like, I rarely ever slept over when I was at home. And I like, I just had to force myself to just like separate from that. But like, I just, because I, I knew that if I had gone back, and even in those two weeks that I went back, I was like, yeah, Jan, I'll, I'll consider one of the people that you're trying to set me up with to be married, because I was just like, 
I'm trying to make sense of this and I, I, I don't want to sit here and constantly like battle and like think about like all the implications of dating like I don't have the luxury of going on a date I like I, I didn't and like I'm trying to give myself that luxury now but I don't have the luxury of going on a date and just enjoying it and being like we're just two people sitting here in the back of my mind we like if we have a connection I'm like fuck we have a connection how will I ever bring how will I ever bring you into my life when there's a whole other version of me that I haven't fully brought into like my in my life and my home life you know like I have to figure out how to like merge my two worlds before I can like bring you into that and even if I do like what does that look like and and like I find myself upset when I have a connection with someone because I'm like fuck now I actually have to answer this fucking question you know like like the first time a guy asked me out on a date like fully in high school bitch I ran (laughs) I ran like he he was like like literally he like he was like he was like I like you can I kiss you? And I was like, I'll, I'll give you a hug. And he goes, um, but yeah, I want to date you. And I like literally slowly moonwalked out of the conversation and ran. And I wish I was exaggerating this, but that was just like, you know, like fight or flight, bitch, I flew. Never ran so fast. And then I was like, wait, I enjoy running. So I will continue to run away from everything in life. <laughs> All I'm saying is, I don't know even that there are answers. I think the best thing you can do is just be true to yourself. And it's so corny, but like the truth does set you free. I think like living myself truly, living my, bringing myself, bringing myself in all the even white spaces I've been in and not letting people like bring me down or like not letting comments, microaggressions get to me has like, I just feel really good. And that like soul searching, that like not feeling right in my soul that I talked about my junior year of at Fordham, the junior, senior year. I have that now. I feel that contentness. And I'm not saying everything is peachy, but it's just like knowing who I am, I feel confident and empowered enough to know that like whatever hardships I face and the hardships I'm facing, that like I'll get through them being myself. Yeah. And being yourself also allows you to find people who are going through a similar thing that you are um, and, like, allows you to, like, have a support system and accept support from people. I mean, I, I feel like the, the acceptance part is is the key. Like, I think through being friends with you in middle school, like, that was, like, like you you are my person, you know? Like... And, like, that's all that came down to. I was allowed to be me as a human being with you, whoever that human being was. And then, like, I went to high school and we went to different high schools. Um, and, like, you've faced your own trauma in high school. And, like, as did I, because, like, we were now in these very different spaces. And we were not going to school in the little neighborhood bubble that we grew up in. And we were exposed to so much. And, like, had really no one to talk to about it for a while and then like I became friends with Anusha and like through that like kind of like you know started trying like I, I over time allowed like allowed her a little bit to like be be to support me and like be my person but for the first year and a half of our friendship I always just was like I'm here for you but you don't get to be there for me 
because then that means I have to face and acknowledge that I am going through a thing and that I'm going through a hard time. And I would rather just like focus on anything else. Interesting, because it's like if you're a white American, I feel like growing up here and race does come into it a lot. It's like you're having those vulnerability issues. Maybe maybe you're having like mental health issues, family issues, and it's like people of color, immigrants of color, all of these different like ethnic racial backgrounds. Now on top of that, on all of those. Those issues, you're facing religion, culture, class, all of that, right? And it's like, you have to work through that first, kind of, I think, before you even get to start talking about the other things. And that's a whole nother thing. Like, we're not allowed to talk about or acknowledge mental health in the immigrant Muslim communities that we grew up in. And I was just like, how can, how can I even say that I'm dealing with this if I'm not allowed to acknowledge it at home? And then it's like, wow, like, who I am at home is not who I am outside. And then it was like, but I face these issues when I'm at home and I can talk about them when I'm outside and fuck it, I'm going to talk about it when I'm at home. Like, I'm going to tell my mom I'm going through this and she's going to think marriage is the solution. But like, I talked about yeah. it. Sorry. That just took me off guard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I think what I was trying to say is just like, you have all of these like... <laughs> quote unquote, regular, regular issues. On top of that, add the race, culture, religious shit you got to work through. And it's just like, you know what? We're doing really great. Um, earlier, we had talked about, um, you know, not knowing what to do with yourself when you like were, you know, out of the house, like out of your parents' home. And this is still, like, something that I am, like, trying to work through is, like, feeling like I'm not ambitious enough because I'm not doing a million and one things, like, or, like, I don't know what my goals are or, like, whatever. Like, I'm doing a million, I'm not doing a million and one things like everyone else is. And it's just, like, just because you're not doing all of those things doesn't mean that, like, you're not ambitious because you're doing a lot of shit, waking up in the morning, getting out of bed, being like, I'm going to face the world, whoever that I is that day, I'm going to face the world. And also when you literally are coming from a context where your life partner is decided for you, where what you eat is decided for you, where you sleep, what you drink, what hand you use to put the food in your mouth is decided for you. Like, like, like everything is decided for you. And then suddenly you're just, like, you, you never really think about like, what do I want? You know, like where you go to school is decided for you. I remember when I was picking between high schools, I had gotten into Brooklyn Tech and uh, like one of the specialized high schools like here in, in New York. And then I also had gotten to Columbia Secondary, which is where I ended up going. But I, I had gotten into the two schools because it's like two different systems that you're applying to them with. And I was talking to my brother and I was like, he was like, so which one do you go to? And I'm like, I don't know, you pick. And he picked CSS Columbia Secondary for me um, because he was like, yeah, it's closer. It's in Harlem. You're not going all the way to Brooklyn. And that was it. There was never another conversation about it. I just went with it. Um, And like now juxtapose that with like how jarring it was. It must have been for them 
when they were like, when I was like, no, I'm deciding that I'm going to Colombia and I'm also deciding that I'm going to dorm there. But also shout out to Colombia for making first year dorming a mandatory thing. Like I milked the shit out of that. I was like, I don't have a choice. If I don't do this, I lose my scholarship. Immigrant mother, father, do you have 80K a year to sponsor me to go to this university? All because I just decided not to dorm. And honestly, if it were up to my dad, he'd be like, bitch, CUNY's great. Like, exactly. But yeah, and so like, you know, you juxtapose that with me being like, I'm making this decision. Like, and then like I get to college and it's just like, what the fuck do I study? What am I interested in when it's not being, like when I'm not being told that? What, like, what do I care about? And I remember like, I loved music and singing and I used to write so much. Like I, I wrote a lot of poetry and I wrote lyrics and I would sing all the time. And, you know, music is like haram in Islam, at least like in the very conservative context that we're in. And, like I wasn't allowed to sing. And like, that was my one interest. And I always wonder like, what if I had been allowed to like nurture that? I'd join clubs and they like, I'd, I'd learned how to plagiarize my parents' signature when I was like in fourth grade. Um, and I remember I joined the dance team um, and like plagiarized their signature. Um, and my brother found out and they yanked me out of that shit so fast. Like I wasn't allowed to decide what I was interested in. And like, I finally got myself an iPod at one point and like my brother could just easily like take it away and be like, no, you're not using this. I'm like, I saved up money and like, I, I, I no, doesn't matter. I wasn't so allowed to like have my, yep. I was not allowed to have my own interests. And suddenly I'm like in a place and I'm like, I don't know what I'm interested in. Like, what are, like, what are my goals? I don't, I don't freaking know. It's not that I'm not ambitious. It's just like, I'm really behind because I never was allowed to do that. And so really uh, the whole point of that is just like, you know, you can't compare yourself to other people for so many reasons, but if for nothing else, because you have a different upbringing and like you have a, like you have different the circumstances, understandings different understandings of self than the next person. Like, and yeah, and you deserve compassion and like leeway for that. And you deserve to have, you, you have every right to take your time to figure that out. Yeah. You said like, you said this thing about not having goals and ambitions and like sometimes waking up in the morning is like, it's a, it's a feat, it's a success, and it's a victory. And when you think about it, like that struggle that you're going through every single day, it's not for nothing. You're breaking so much generational trauma. And that, that is such a large contribution to the world. 